Hello, friends. Welcome back to Operation Opera. In this episode, Elise and I had a chance to chat with Richard Pocker, who is a recipient of bilateral cochlear implants, going from a hearing person to a non-hearing person and back again. Enjoy. January, so we used Skype, but I wasn't I wasn't happy with the results of Skype. So there we go. And this Zoom is much better, much better. Yeah, and the quality of the audio, I think, is a lot better, too. So normally we don't do video. Um, normally we just do audio because it is an audio platform. So I'll probably just turn yeah. off the video. Um, and there will be, <laughs> there may be some it's sounds okay. in the background because I have two small. I have mine, too. I have oh, okay. mine, too. <laughs> You're good. Cool. Um, perfect. Yeah, we've all got our mics. Um, all right. So I'm going to just, just stop my video. Uh, okay. And if you guys want to, you can, or you don't have to either way. But, um, but yeah, so. So Richard, um, thank you so much for reaching out and for uh, you know telling us a little bit about your world and your work. Can you um, can you give us sort of a recap of of a little bit about your journey and with sound? Oh sure, absolutely. You know, I'm, matter of fact, I, I found your your blog by mis by accident, and it was fascinating. But what I do is. Um, I've had a hearing loss for 35 years. I, I was born with normal hearing, and I had uh, uh, scarlet fever when I was five. And I wore hearing aids from the time I was five until I was 30. And then I suffered a, a complete collapse of the residual hearing. So I was totally deaf for 35 years. And the reason I was fascinated by your website of opera my wife and I used to go to the opera all the time, but when I lost my hearing, that was the end of that. And I missed it so much. Um, and I received cochlear implants, bilateral cochlear implants, just over four years ago. So I've spent the last four years making up for all the music I missed for 35 years. That's beautiful. What a journey. Can you tell me, so when you say bilateral cochlear implants, what does that exactly mean? Okay, what a cochlear implant is, is when you have a normal hearing, the cochlea inside your inner ear has about 35,000 hair cells. And when those hair cells start to die, you lose comprehension. Those hair cells are what interpret sound into electrical impulses that your brain hears. You don't hear with your ears, you hear with your brain. And if somebody uh, normally, if they have uh, sometimes disease or medication or even aging. With age, those hair cells tend to die away. So what you find is um, you may use a hearing aid. A hearing aid will boost the volume, but won't boost the comprehension. The comprehension goes away with time. So if you fall below 40% speech comprehension, you're qualified for a cochlear implant. And what that is, it's a two-part component. The surgical part is a uh, antenna with a magnet just under the skin with a processor. And that processor has a wire leading into the cochlea. They thread it through the cochlea and it has 22 electrodes. So the processor is able to um, interpret sound and send out the electrical impulses into the ear the same way the natural hearing would do it. So you, I was told, like I said, I was totally deaf. My, my audiogram looked like I was a stiff in a morgue. It was 0, 0.0 and no speech yeah. comprehension. And today I have about 85%. Amazing. That it must is. be so great. So, so tell us about uh, how you've been catching up 
what have you been listening to and how have you been going about deciding uh, what you're going to delve into next? It's actually uh, when I received the cochlear implant in uh, January of 2016 and I had to catch up with music. Now, it's a cochlear implant's not a magic bullet, by the way. You have to rehabilitate the speech sounds a little bit like Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck, and you have to practice, practice, practice. And depending on the individual, it can take weeks or it can take months. But to me, music was more important than anything else in a way that music was more important than understanding speech. Because when I lost my hearing um, at that time, cochlear implants had just been invented and they were very primitive. And I was afraid if I got a cochlear implant, that music would sound uh, mechanical. Distorted, yeah. And distorted mm, and mechanical. Yeah. Now, even though I'm not a musician, I love listening to music, obviously. And I was afraid to get that. So I waited and waited and waited and hoping that science would catch up with me and find a cure for deafness or whatever. And by a certain time, I said, no, it's not going to happen. The technology caught up with it, and I decided to go ahead and get the cochlear implant. So what I did after I got it, I had to learn how to listen to speech again, and I would listen to classroom lectures. I would go to the library, take out the lectures, and just listen to it, and the speech came back fairly rapidly. But you have to imagine um, not hearing music from about 1980 all the way through 19, two, two, 2016. Wow. I, missed, I missed an awful lot. I missed an awful lot. So what do you, what so do you what think I about did, Queen? <laughs> I missed a lot of junk too. But <laughs> people, my friends all said to me, when you miss rap music, you didn't miss a damn thing. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, but I, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, the pattern down. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so what I did is I uh, I bought uh, a, uh, a Sony uh, disc player. Now the cochlear implants. What happens is you scream the music directly to the processor. The external processor looks like a hearing aid with a cable, and it has a magnet, a magnetic antenna on the other end. That sticks to your head. It's sticking to the magnets that's under the skin. So that processor, I have something called a cochlear nucleus seven, which is the best in the world. That processor, you can stream directly from your iPhone so that you want to stream. I was streaming your podcast from my iPhone right to my head. Nothing through the wow. air. That's yes, so cool. Right. You don't have to wear it's earbuds. Very cool. I'm, I'm bionic. I'm bionic. I'm bionic. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and so I had to make up for the music. So what I what did I do? I went to the library. I took the disc player, and there's an accessory called a mini mic. The mini mic plugs into anything with a uh, 3.5 millimeter jack and will stream directly to your processor. So I would sit in the library. Nobody could hear me because it's playing in my head. And I would just take all the CDs off the rack one at a time and start to listen to catch up to what I had missed. And that's how I learned to hear again. It's funny, though, that when you um, go through this process, like I say, that, that music is far more important than speech. And it takes much longer or a little, actually a little longer to learn to hear music again. It does sound confusing in the beginning. There are... Um, techniques for learning how to do it can you tell me is, can you tell me a little bit about the, can you unpack that a little bit as far as you said it's confusing at first okay. what about it is confusing because there are too many instruments playing at the same time and you still can't identify what those instruments are mm, does that makes that makes sense okay sure it's sort of like you know if 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 somebody if 10 people were talking to you at the same time yes. and you were trying to hear all of them Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So what I did is, um, the, the now there were three major manufacturers of cochlear implants. There's Cochlear, Advanced Bionics, and Medel. Cochlear is the largest by three to one, which is one of the reasons I went with them. And they also have the most advanced technology. 
And um, so what I did was I basically said, okay, now I have to learn how to hear music, and I did that. Well, the issue is here that a company like Cochlear knows that they have to teach you how to hear music again, and they have a program which does that. It's called uh, it's called something to the beat, and you listen to the you listen to these individual instruments. But I'm an A-type personality. I'm very very impatient, and I decided to design my own program. And what I did is. If you go to my website, which is cochlearimplantbasics.com, there's a music rehab section there. I went on and I found 25 or 30 musicians around the world, first-class musicians, and I said, would you donate a two-minute um, clip just of your instrument? I just want a, a, a cello, I want a harp, I want cool. drums, and so on and so forth. And they, the, all these people donated two minutes of time. So on my website, you can learn how to hear one instrument at a time. And if it doesn't sound right, you can re keep repeating it until it sounds normal. So what is normal when you're not used what to hearing normal? those sounds? Yeah, what is normal? Normal sounds like I remembered it when I was young. It's ah. perfect, perfectly normal. I, matter of fact, I like to tell people if you... If you um, or looking for discretion, how how well can this can I discriminate? I started to uh, take up Latin with using the Rosetta Stone programs, and I could dif differentiate between the sounds of bu and pu, p and b. I can hear the difference, and that that's very cool. That to me, how much better can you get? So, are you fluent in Latin now? Well, I, I, <laughs> I wish I could. I can't tell you that I'm very good at it, but it was an, it was an exercise to be sure yeah. that I was getting the best discrimination. As far as music goes, I can listen to opera. You know that opera or ballet are very, very visual in addition to their, um, in addition to the, to the music. And it, when you're listening to one, you know, the funny thing is I miss music so much that even when I was totally deaf, I went to a few opera performances uh, just for the visuals. And mm. I think in my mind's ear, I could probably hear a little, little. I know I couldn't hear the music. It was tough. I know I was fooling myself, but I missed it so much. Yeah, That's amazing. And, we, you know, like that, I, I, I think about Beethoven, right? Like I wonder, and I wonder, would, would what, what you've been able to have done with you with the bilateral cochlear implants have made an effect on him. Um, I would imagine so, but I don't know exactly what his diagnosis was, you know, specifically other than the fact that his father boxed his ears to the point that he became deaf later in life. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, where, you know, we get to this sort of shift in music um, mm -hmm. because of that, right? Like we became much more romantic because he had to pound the keys so hard to feel them, you know, even though he couldn't hear right. anymore. Like, did you, did you find yeah. in those intervening years of being a non-hearing person that you were able to sort of feel things more? It's, it's a funny thing you should say that the answer in terms of music is no, um, but you do find your eyes are taking over for your ears. And for instance, I used to be able to lip read like a CIA agent. I could lip read at 25 or 30 feet away and follow the conversation. But since I got my hearing back, I've lost that skill. So hmm. I think your, your brain tends to compensate one for the other. That's fascinating. Wow, that's such a, oh man, that would be so distracting for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty ADD anyway, so I would just, everywhere I go, I'd be like, oh, wow, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny because I was just thinking last night that, uh, you know, when I, when I would go to the opera, even when I couldn't hear it, um, we used to live up on the Hudson Valley in, in, in New York State. Beautiful. Bard, 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 oh, I loved it up there. Bard College was up there, and they used to get fantastic performances. So uh, they, they gave a performance of Offenbach. Now, I never heard of Offenbach, but my wife had. So we went to see it. And visually, it was so interesting. And I, I felt so badly, I couldn't hear the music. But there, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. 
Well, and I imagine visually it was really stunning. Offenbach, you can you can really dress up a lot. Um, <laughs> exactly. And that's, exactly. I mean, I guess that's sort of what's neat about opera in general is that you can sort of dress up or dress down um, things and it really just sort of show you, you know, what, what stands out, what, you know, what you can, you know, how malleable is it and how, and I think it is a pretty malleable art form, you know, because of that. So that's kind of, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, so Richard, you mentioned earlier, I feel like I cut you off, but you said there were two parts. So there was the surgical okay. aspect and then there's the retraining, which is what we ended up talking about anyway. Right. Uh, was there anything exactly. else well, that you wanted two, to add? Well, the, the, the two parts are actually this, that the surgical part is implanted and the external part, the processor looks like a hearing aid with a small cable and a button and the button is what clips your head with a magnet. That external part is always upgrading as technology improves, which is yeah. uh, one of the very, very cool things about cult beer is that it's always backward compatible. And for instance, I met a gentleman who did get a cochlear implant 35 years ago. He's still using the same surgical implant, but the fifth or sixth generation of the external part, so that it's always always getting better. And I love that about it. Yes, you know the funny thing is about about the uh, the streaming is that I also once I got my hearing back, I picked up a. a, a a uh, turntable and I'm back into collecting vinyl records and all the things I missed for 35 years, I'm back into doing. And, uh, well, and vinyl's and, back, you know, like for a while it was gone there and we had all of these other far inferior forms of listening, home listening and vinyl is, yeah. is you know, definitely considered the best. So that's kind of great. You know, it's true. It's great. And even uh, Sarasota, I live in Sarasota, Florida. We have an opera here that, that goes back to like 1926. Yeah. It's, okay. it's not the Met. It's not the Met. Let me tell you, it's not the Met. But fortunately, <laughs> well, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about. The boy, <laughs> everybody dresses up a little bit and they come in with their walkers and their canes. Yeah. You know, you, you were mentioning something I found very, very interesting. Um, the one of your podcasts, you were talking, I think it was a podcast about um, going for auditions. I came, it was a few months oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And you, you were talking, you were talking in there about um, how the opera was really appealing to the older people. And then you said something very profound, that it basically then they have time to learn to appreciate opera, which is true. Because yeah. opera, opera is an acquired taste. It's not something you're born with. I mean, it's, uh, it has to be acquired. And uh, I thought that was very, very interesting because the older people who are there, the hearing is horrible, and you try to do every kind of um, every kind of assistive device. And what I basically do is I I work 24 hours a day. I basically am in every time zone in the world because cochlear works in 85 countries. And I'm on Facebook, I'm on every social media there is, looking for people that are losing their hearing. And the hearing aids no longer work. They, they bought $5,000 or $10,000 hearing aids, and they can't hear properly. And they're very upset. And my yeah. message is always, there's another answer. You don't have to give up. The cochlear implant something to investigate. So what I've done over the past four years as a volunteer, I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. I form the uh, website. I do all this. And I'm trying to find people that are having trouble hearing and say, look, let me help you investigate what a cochlear implant might work for you or not. And it's part of what you said in that podcast about, about the uh, uh, auditions was that there were tips and hints to help somebody who was losing their confidence. And it's very difficult to do an audition. Uh, I yeah. want to tell you something. If you have a hearing loss, every single day is an audition. Mm. Every day, because you're constantly losing your confidence when mm. you can't understand what's going on around you. And you're afraid to open your mouth because somebody's going to say, oh, we just spoke about that five minutes earlier. Sure, sure. And and so this is one way that 
once you get a cochlear implant, you find people, their confidence comes back like you've never believed. Now, would you say that the quality of your sort of how you interpret sound uh, is different? I, I mean, I imagine the answer is yes, but how, maybe maybe the more appropriate question is, how is the interpretation of sound different in a it, cochlear implant versus a hearing aid? Okay, versus a hearing aid, very, very interesting because I probably mentored 400 people and the constant feedback I get is that the cochlear implant was so much better than the hearing aid. The sound is more natural. Because remember one thing, with a hearing aid, you're boosting volume, but if the hair cells are deteriorating, you'll never get the comprehension. You won't get the fidelity. And mm. it, so is it like a lack of depth? Is that, is, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to sort of- Yeah, understand. I understand, it's yes. It's you know? depth. It's it, makes depth. Me, it makes me think almost of like vision where it's sort of blurry, right? You don't- uh, um, hearing, aid, hearing aids make it blurry. Yeah. Right, because they're just, doesn't. right. It's like they're making it, I don't know how to, I don't know what the analogy is exactly, but you know, when you can't see far away, <laughs> it doesn't help. You know what I mean? Like the only thing that helps is to have that, um, that precision of exactly. detail again. From glasses. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, <laughs> the thing is you're, you're exactly right. And the issue is that if, you take the right steps and, and you're qualified for cochlear implant, yes, it, it does sound better. It has depth. There's no straining to hear. That's over. A lot of people, elderly people or people with hear, hearing loss have strained to hear. And in fact, there, there are websites dedicated just to professional musicians with hearing loss. Well, I, that's yeah that's interesting because that's something that i wondered about because i have a lot of people in my circle that are getting older that you know you know say what a lot when you're talking and it's because you know their hearing is going but you can't talk about it because it's such it's such a part of them you yeah, know that you know it's just yes, so sensitive sure. because you don't want to talk about it because it's like you know if i lose this i lose part of my identity Exactly right. You know, the number one reason that people don't even get a hearing aid is vanity. They don't want to show the weakness of needing a hearing aid. I've worked with so many people like that. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the Hearing Loss Association of America. We have a chapter here in Sarasota where people come for the first time. They've heard about us and they come to the meetings. And I see this over and over and over again. I don't want a hearing aid. I'm afraid that you know, people will see me as weak. It's the number one reason. And mm. it's, a, it's a matter of, uh, I think, talking to people and convincing them that you're missing out on life. You don't have to. You just don't have to do miss out on anything. So first step is get them to get hearing tests, get hearing aids. If a hearing aid will work, by the way, you always must exhaust a hearing aid first before you go to a cochlear implant because a cochlear implant involves surgery. Now, the surgery is not uh, a big deal. I mean, I had two of them done at the same time, and I checked into the hospital at 5 a.m., and I was on my way home at 3 in the afternoon. So it, yeah. it's, not, it's not a major operation. It's outpatient surgery. But the uh, it's a a statistical fact that the older you get, the more hearing you lose, the more isolated you become. And, and, and one of the things I find here, which I found very, very interesting, because we live in an area with a high population of elderly, that music is the tool that they're using. Music rehabilitation is a tool that they're using more and more frequently for Alzheimer's. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, so, it's one of the things that bypasses, you know, the parts of the brain that are deteriorating. Exactly. So yeah. what you really have to do is tell people, we got to get your hearing so you can do this. And uh, it's, uh, it tends to resonate with them. Yeah. Sure. I have a question. Um, so you've mentioned that you can listen to music recordings that go directly into your head, which I think is really yes. cool. What is it like listening to live music now? <laughs> listening to life is great i'll tell you what are the um you remember when when i when i was totally deaf if i was out with a few friends i can't follow what's going on so they understood that about me but you sit there like a dummy because you can't speak once you once you have your hearing back they can't shut me up 
<laughs> and is it is it different listening to music through um, like a recording versus live through, music? Through okay, yes, it's a little bit different, and sometimes I prefer the recording because I've gone it's to clearer. some concerts. I've gone well. I, there, there's a jazz club here in Sarasota, and they, they have concerts every Friday, and I've gone to that. that that's very cool. I've gone to some classical concerts. It's very cool. I like it. Um, the opera is very, it's wonderful. It's just, um, in a strange way, all sound becomes distorted when it goes through the air. Hmm. You know that. Sure. When it goes through the still, air or when it goes through the ear? Yeah, right. It, just, it gets a little bit distorted. If you're streaming from a microphone or a recording device directly to your head, you're not getting that minor distortion. Right, uh, that space okay. provides, right? Exactly. So on the other hand, sometimes I prefer uh, to use the Bose 35 Comfort headset. Uh, right, I just put them right on top of my processor, and I'm not streaming. So I'm listening to music through a headset, and that's different from streaming as well. So it's, it's a question of what my mood is at the moment. I can change my head around any way I want. Uh, why not? Why not? Wow. You, you know, you, 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 if you have the ability to, to change a, a song and you want to listen to it five or six different ways, sure. why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you? Even, yeah. even, if, even if you're singing, you might want to interpret it slightly different each time. It's like you're your own DJ in the sense, like, you know, how they like will add beats or whatever. It's like you're adding different versions of it. That's kind of cool. Can yes. you, so Richard, can you tell me um, if you remember... Do you remember what the first uh, classical piece was that you listened to when you, you know, after after your surgery, after you'd healed, after? Oh my you, gosh! Do you remember? I, I, you know, the funny thing is, I can't remember because the strange thing is, I was, um, I probably went to the jazz club first, and mm -hmm. then went to operas, but I can't remember which two operas they were at the moment. I wish I did, but I, I can't remember them. Um, and it's, like I say, it, at first it's a little bit disconcerting. It just takes so much practice to get to where I want to be. And I may have rushed it because sometimes you're, you're, you're so enchanted by having hearing, you want to hear everything. Sure. And your brain may not be ready to interpret it properly at the time. Um, and I'm, I know we went, we, we went to the Sarasota Opera probably... Oh, within two or three months after I was activated, and it was probably just too soon. And uh, I could probably mm. go back and enjoy it if they ever opened them up again. You know, never sure, yeah. everything, sure. everything. Oh my gosh, everything. I know, hard. I know. Yeah, it's the but time we're living in. I, I, I went to I went to a couple of nostalgia concerts. Uh, I went to hear Tony Bennett, and I went to hear. Uh, I went to. Uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. I went to hear the Righteous Brothers without one of them. And it was pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that my hearing was bad. <laughs> the music you're like, oh. man, they don't sound like they did 30 years ago. <laughs> oh my God, the horrible. <laughs> the horrible. <laughs> oh. so, so, so I, I hope, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm Florida. I was back in New York once. Um, and the, the Met was on, but I, the, there was no there were no tickets left that night. I only had one night, so I, I really hope to get back to a first class opera at some point and hear it again. Because, but I I think um, you know, it's, like I said, it's been just over four years, and every day is an adventure. Every day I I, I hear something new, and that to me is the most thrilling thing of all. That is, that's, that's extremely thrilling. That's Yeah, I wonder even, like I was hearing, I don't know if it was from my end because I'm wearing headphones or if it was from your end, Rachel, but I was hearing some birds singing right. in the background. Mm -hmm. Or is that maybe from your side, Richard? I don't know, but it I've heard be. birds. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting in front of a, my, my I have a, a condo over here. I live on like a golf course in the three ah. sections. And the golf course side is where I have my, I have a condo, which I turned into a library. There's a, 10 acre lake in front of me filled with birds and ah. you know it's kind of it's kind of funny we get we get a duck 
called a, a black belly whistler, and it comes up from Central America and Mexico and winters here. And I've never seen them before. I came to Florida, and for the first time, yeah, when they fly, they whistle. And you wow, this is so neat. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool to be able to hear that. Yeah, and, so you know, it's very cool. Not something that you know most people oh, get my. experience, but but you oh. really get to experience it. Yeah, it's interesting how how sound when you're in a new place. Or when you're, I guess, you know, in your, in your situation, Richard, like hearing it again for the first time um, in a different way. Like when I moved to New Zealand, uh, I remember hearing the birds outside and mm. thinking, I'm mm. in Jurassic Park. Like, <laughs> I just oh. it, it is step <laughs> outside. <laughs> I'm going to get eaten by a velociraptor. <laughs> like, I was... I was no, the, 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 only, the only bird, like the uh, animal I haven't heard was the... We've, we, my wife and I did a four-month round-the-world cruise, and I didn't have my hearing back then, you know, and I, I kind of missed all the wildlife on that one that, that I wish I could do it again. But then about four years ago, five years ago, I still didn't have, you know, it had to be before I had my hearing. We did two months around South America with a, uh, a trip up the Amazon as far as Manaus, so I got to see the theater Amazonia. And uh, you, you walk into that place, and that's where you could hear Caruso singing, but it's all in your head. Sure, sure. So describe for me, if you can, like, after the surgery, what, mm-hmm. like, what did you go for as far as, like, listening? Like, what was it that you d- dove into? Okay, what I had to do first was speech. And... Um, like I, it became, I, it sounds like I said, Mickey Mouse for a while. So what you have to do is listen. So I took out a, um, a program um, from the library. It's called The Great Courses. Now, The Great oh, Courses. Oh, yeah, I like those the a lot. Yeah. No, they right, fine. Yeah. I took out The Great Courses on the history of Mesopotamia. Why? I didn't Ooh. know anything. I didn't know anything about the subject. And they're not closed captioned. You know, so just something in, light. Right, exactly. <laughs> something light, exactly. So I, I had to, professor on my screen, I could try to lip read her, and I'm screaming the sound. I had this mini mic plugged into my laptop. I could stream the sound to my ears. And after a day or two, it started to sound like speech. Started to sound like speech. How many I, hours? I was, oh, I was doing hour after this. The, I mean, the program was twenty-three hours of lecture. Yeah, so, so Mesopotamia right. was around for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I listened to it. Started to make sense to me, and after a day or two, it really made sense to me. So I said, "You know what? I'll sit across the room, and I won't be able to lip read her." And after an hour or two, it made sense to me. So you have to really, in the beginning emphasize getting your speech back. Don't worry about music. Now, remember, I had not used a telephone in 35 years. And oh, wow. they, so they told me that- No rotaries I, anymore. They said, wait, six, six months down the road, you'll be able to use a phone. Now the iPhone, this is the great thing about the Cochlear Nucleus 7. It streams from an iPhone only. You control your volume, your treble, the bass, everything from your phone. And I, oh. I, call, I called my sister, and I hadn't used a phone in 35 years. This is about three weeks after I was, I was activated. I called my sister, and I said, well, what's the worst that's gonna happen? She knows I'm deaf, you know? Right. And we had a 20 minute conversation. I only asked her to repeat twice, and we were crying the whole time. I, I mean, bet you were. That was hard, that was harder, but the point is, yeah. Repeat so, not because you couldn't hear, but because you were so moved, right? Yeah. Right. You want speech. You want yeah. speech. Yeah. And then the music followed. It wasn't. Oh, like so it was say, jazz it was first, di- and then. Exactly. It was disappointing in the beginning, but with practice and practice and practice, because some of the people on my on my um, blog that I've interviewed, the podcast interviews, have a transcript because I know people watching it don't basically have a hearing problem, and they wouldn't be there. And two of the people on the I interviewed on the. Sue, Sue Wall and, and Sherry Edwards were both musicians and they both went ahead and got cochlear implants. So I let them discuss more about, uh, from a musical side, how they did with it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, Richard, do, are you a singer? Do you like to sing? I, I sound like a frog. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe you don't sound like a frog. Maybe that's just that you haven't have recovered the worst, all your hearing I have the yet. worst singing voice. I have the worst singing voice in the world. Even my dogs don't like to listen to me sing. Okay. I understand. I wish. I wish. I wish. Dogs. <laughs> So I have I have more questions about uh, about rediscovering uh, the whole discography from 1980 to 2016. Yeah, so, man. Because <laughs> I grew up in the wow. 80s, and so yeah. a lot of that music is dear to my heart. But I just wonder if someone hadn't heard it and then they heard it, what they would think of it now. You know? Yeah. Forty years later, it's like a time yeah. capsule. It is like a time capsule, but. The, like I said, when you go to the library and they must have, you know, three or 400 CDs there and you don't really know which order to pull them out. Um, and, and the funny thing is rap music sounded pretty good to me. Now, you remember, I never heard it and I assumed it was a piece of crap. But it's it, in the beginning, when you're starting to hear music, it, it, the, the, it made sense. A classical music, like I say, took the longest because it was just too confusing. Yeah, so intricate. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, now, I, I do. I do listen to opera because we have a radio station here called WSMR, and they play live from the Met. They play all classical. They play live from the Met on on, on the weekends, and I listen to it that way. Um, it's the only way I'm going to hear great opera. It just, just you... isn't anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's yeah, okay. That's all right. Um, did you catch the Met at Home Gala last weekend by any chance on Saturday? No, I missed that one. I, I missed oh, that one, I think you I can, can still get it on YouTube yeah, if you're will. interested. It for me, it was will. yeah. For me, it was fantastic because um, you know everyone was just at home, right? All these great singers, and it did was they, very, did they dress up at home? Um, um, yeah, mm -hmm. they varying that. degrees. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was great. And some of them had pre-recorded accompaniments and some of them had accompanists who were there in the room with them. And it was just a very intimate look at, at the artist, you know, which you don't get when you, when you see them at the Met. They're very far away from you. You can just see right. a tiny person on the, well, at least I should say they're very far away from me, from the tickets That's, that I generally get. It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's like Even the best like tickets I've ever had, it's farther it's, away, you know. It's you like going to Westminster, it's like going to the Westminster dog show in person. You can't see the dogs, but when you watch it on TV, suddenly it looked great. You're right up there and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> yeah. look at that fur, it's so shiny. <laughs> yeah, and I've there was both. something, there was something even done, more intimate. I've done both. <laughs> yeah. Nice. There was, for me, there was something even more intimate about it because they didn't have a professional production team sort of putting, you know, because they have the live and HD productions, but of course those are produced and the artist is just a part of it. And these were self-produced by the artist. And so it was just very interesting to see the choices that they made as far as repertoire and how they decided to present themselves and all those things. And then of course, observing, uh, you know, as a, as a singer and, and voice teacher, it was interesting to observe their technique from so close and all that. Anyway, I think I definitely recommend it if you're interested, because it has both the visual and the audio experience, you'd be able to stream it straight into your brain and, and also see the singers. It probably would be pretty fascinating for you. I would love to do that. You're probably right. I'll probably, I'll look it up. I'll check it out. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. So, um, so was there any music that really stood out to you when you were pouring over this music you'd missed over 35 years? I, I'm afraid to tell you it was jazz. Don't be afraid. I love jazz. <laughs> I love jazz. I do love jazz, Richard. I grew, I grew I, up I, with jazz. Like, that's my favorite. I, I, <laughs> I, I stream a, uh, a, uh, jazz station from from stockholm sweden because oh. i love i love swing i love swing that's that's the funny thing is i was deaf at the right time and i got my hearing back at the right time mm -hmm. because all these all these programs uh, came into play at the right time i remember when i lost my hearing the fax machine wasn't around the internet was probably somebody's somebody's you know mind but it wasn't there yet um, mm -hmm. Matter of fact, when I had to communicate, I, I was a third generation uh, picture framer and art dealer in New York. Oh. And 
Okay, I had I had five locations and I had a factory. And when I had to talk to suppliers, I lost my hearing. I'm probably the last man standing that has a telex address. So hmm. I had to learn how to use my own telex machine. Um, and it, you do what you can. What is that? And, the, and it's where what is uh, a telex it translates what he is um, writing into speech for the other person. Oh, okay. Correct. Okay. No, 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 telex, no, telex machine was like a telegraph, a telegraph machine. What happens now? We're talking now. You can do speech to text on my phone. I, I have a speech to text program. If somebody wanted to speak to me, it's telling me what's going on. That's different. But I was very, very old, old man now. And so some of the techniques that I had to use back then were just not no, no, not used anymore. Nobody knows about. Them. When the fax machine came out, they were a thousand dollars a piece, and I had to have all my suppliers buy them. They were all pissed at me. But I said, if you want to do business, this is the way I have to communicate. Sure. As far as, mm -hmm. right. So music was cut off for me. Music came back in a big way. Um, and I stream music all day, one way or another. I, I stopped talking to anybody once in a while just so I can listen. It's fine. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about jazz. Um, I teach at a yes. college, and these kids who are now, I'm... I don't even want to say I'm old enough to be their parent now, but um, I've <laughs> loved, loved jazz since the time I was uh, an adolescent. And, um, and these kids are, you know, they graduated class of 2018 or, you know, right. it's 2019 and they love jazz and they love swing. They love the it's, old stuff. And I'm like, what? where did back. these people come from? <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, which is very interesting to me. Um, um, about an hour away from St. Petersburg. And St. Petersburg has one of the biggest vinyl record shops I've ever seen. I stumbled on it one day. He has millions and millions of albums. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I'm talking to him and I said, you know, like, what's, what's going on now? He said, you know, the hot one is Doris Day. All these young girls come in, want to buy the Doris Day vinyl, vinyl <laughs> albums. <laughs> so, so go figure. I think what's old is new. And the same way that you discussed, why does opera last for hundreds of years? Because of the quality to it. There's a charm to it. it. It can't be created again. And that's why it's still popular. Now, yes, you're right. You have to acquire a taste for it. You may be a little bit older. But I listened to it. I listened to a classical station from Venice, Italy. They play artists I've never heard of, and it's a fabulous station. And they're all charming. It's a lot of Baroque, but it's charming. And mm -hmm. that's why you find the kids like the jazz, because it makes sense. It, it's speaking to something internal. And you can't explain what it is, but it's there. You know, I've never been a big Vivaldi fan. And I was in Venice a couple of years ago, and I had just been introduced mm -hmm. to this group that I would imagine plays on the station you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And the way that they played Vivaldi, it was like they were sawing the instruments in half. Like there was just this like... Passion? Yeah. It's, <laughs> passion? Yes, passion. Yes, it was passionate for sure. It was, a, I mean, it was intense. I just, it was, there was just this almost visceral aggression that felt so um yeah it, it was it was amazing but what ended up happening was the music became alive to me in a way that i had never experienced vivaldi before because it had always felt kind of like oh boy here's a bunch of notes and we're going to really emphasize the downbeat yay you know like and but when when you hear interpreters that make something old new or realize how it would have had to have been played at the time because when you're playing on a gut string instrument you kind of have to saw it and have to really create that kind of accent um and i feel like um I feel like in some ways that's sort of a microcosm of what we're talking about in the sense that when you have something that you've experienced one way um, for many, many years, and then you have something new that's brought to you and you get to reinterpret what that thing means and how it feels and all that. So anyway, yeah. I, um, Somebody's shopping. Yeah, someone. Well, so someone's doing dishes. <laughs> Oh, sorry. That's that's my husband <laughs> okay, with ice cubes. I, I wonder what it was. 
Sorry. It's all right. That's okay. Just got home from no, work. It's the, a little warm in the this, house. This, so. why, this is why I this is why I record in my library because my dog is 14 years old and she's <laughs> running marathons every day. I know from the couch. We've been remarkably undisturbed by the children at Rachel's I know. house. No, the boys. He's, I know. Yeah, he's taking That's one for so the team funny. right now. I'll tell you what. He's gagged them both. He's like, <laughs> podcast is You know, it, it's true what you say about re reinterpreting music can be so interesting and so wonderful. Um, it, it's not like when you take an old performer and, he, and he's still singing away. Yeah, that, that, that's not the same thing. But to take something that, that's, it, you know, people reinterpret paintings too. And when they interpret it, you're seeing it in a new light. Because to me, art, visual, visual art, to me, um, have only two, two meanings. One, to arrest me with their beauty or to make me rethink my perceptions of it. And music can be that way too. It can arrest you with beauty or start your the new perception. I like that. So when you so switching a little bit right now to art, so you're talking about visual art. So you have two things. I'm I'm just trying to recap so that I so that I make sure that I understand what you're saying. Um, there's beauty, and there's to think of something differently. And you know sometimes do you find that when those two things go together. Um, that that's when you can sort of have a, an almost euphoric experience, like something that's completely different. I don't know. I just. <laughs> yeah. Is it one or the other or can it be both? I, I agree. It has to be one or the other. You know, it's just, I worked in the art business for so many years and um, I was fortunate to be part of what I consider a beautiful movement of, of uh, a modern art, when it was Matisse, it was Miro, it was Picasso, and yeah. I always enjoyed that. But uh, I was happy to be part of that. I suppose what saved me with all my deafness is I still part was part of the visual arts, and I, I enjoyed that. But now I'm back into now I'm back into music. I wish I could play. I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was interesting. So Elisa and I a couple of years ago were in Paris and. Um, we I went to the opera house there and mm. I always thought it was so interesting that you look up on the, you know, in Paris, the opera house there is, is so Baroque, you know, it's, it's, yeah, sure. it's filled with all kinds of beautiful, you know, carvings and such, but you look at the ceiling and it's Chagall. And, and, and I, I remember just thinking like, really Chagall? I mean, I love Chagall, but, but I found it so surprising of all places. (laughs) Juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. Like why this sort of whimsy and, uh, which to me is what I, what I think of when I look at Chagall, um, you know, why that in this, in this setting? Because opera is whimsical, Rachel, don't you know? Oh, I suppose. Sure. <laughs> I'm totally joking. I agree with you. It is a strange juxtaposition. Yeah. But, um, but I love it because in some ways, as an artist, I look at that ceiling and then I look at, you know, the very sort of ornateness around me. But when I look at the ceiling, I feel a sense of calm because it's like, okay, I can also have fun. Right. It doesn't have to be this, you know, yeah. perfected thing. It can also be something that is impressionistic to an extent. Right. You experienced both, Rachel. You experienced the beauty and you experienced something to make you think differently. See? Yeah. See how that happened? Yeah. So awesome. sorry, we moved Richard from music a little bit to talking a little bit about art. We, we kind of we kind of swim around Sig- a little bit. Segwayed. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> but but yeah, so now you are doing art. I'm um, you're doing music as much now, as and appreciating it. Well, yeah. It, I'm I, I retired ten years ago. So um my my connection with the art world has changed. I mean, obviously I'm not there actively anymore. So I just really just enjoy music so much more. I have my hammock. I have my iPhone. I can stream music all day. I'm good. I'm happy. That's really beautiful. Well, well, thank you, Richard, so much for giving us your time and sharing your expertise. And I hope that, you know, anyone listening that either themselves is you know struggling with hearing or if they if they know anyone that is would hopefully share this with them and point them in the direction of your site so that they can have a little bit more of a 
you know, feel a little bit more comfortable. And I just want to say how much I admire what you're doing, Richard, and, and keep it up. I mean, you're being a friend and mentor to a lot of people who are scared. And like you said, they don't want to appear weak and they're experiencing these changes that they're not sure how to, how to manage. So I think it's amazing that you're there. Different ways. ways. There's different ways. You know, you have to, um, I deal with people with kid gloves when I need to, and I deal with a heavy fist when I have to. And uh, you must be from New York. Oh no, well, I am. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you I, are. But well, I'm. Uh, you no, know, no. The thing is, the thing is, uh, no. I didn't leave New York. New York left me. I came here, you know, six or seven years ago because New York just disappeared. But you know, the, it, it's kind of interesting that the people that are on the fence. I, I like to tell one story, I'll, I'll sign up one story, that when you're on the fence and you're vain and you don't want to do anything about it. Last summer, my wife became deathly ill and she had six major operations, six major operations in three months. And okay, now she's in the hospital, she's in the hospital. And before when I was deaf, I would have passively accepted what everybody was doing. But I knew, I knew my wife was dying. I knew it was a big problem. So I went to the nurse because I could hear everything that was going on. And I said to the nurse, I want you to send my wife down for an MRI now. Now. And she did it. And they called the surgeon. He started operating on her at 6 o'clock on a Friday night. Five-hour mm-hmm. operation to save her life. She was dead on the operating table. He got her back. And he came out later and he said to me, you know, if you hadn't advocated, your wife wouldn't have made it. And I said, I know. But if I hadn't had hearing, I would have just been passively accepting what was going on. Mm. So my final message is to somebody who's on the fence, you don't have to be. You have an obligation to be the best you can be because this is not a dress rehearsal. This is your one life you're going to get. And you'll have my website up there. You'll have a way to contact me. And I'd be happy to help you no matter where you live in the world. You want to say your website one more time, Richard? My, web, my website is cochlearimplantbasics.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Richard. And happy anniversary to you yes, and your wife. Knowing this story makes it even more amazing. Yeah, okay. 45, 45 years on Monday. I just have to make it to Monday. <laughs> oh, to Monday. That's right. Yeah. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. I believe in you. All okay. right. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Likewise. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care.